We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, this morning we're in the book of Ephesians chapter number three. We're going to read two verses, verse number 20 and verse number 21. Ephesians chapter number three and verse number 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I want you to notice the phrase we find in verse number 20, unto him that is able. I'm glad to report to you this morning that God is able. God is able. What is he able to do? Well, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, has begun this letter by listing for the Ephesian believers all of the blessings that they had obtained in Christ Jesus. He told them that they were blessed with all spiritual blessings. He offers in these opening chapters a prayer for them. We read that prayer in verses 14 through 19, the prayer of Paul for the congregation at Ephesus. By the way, that's a good family prayer. That's one I would encourage you moms and dads to pray for your family and to pray for your children. And he concludes this section of his letter before he moves forward, encouraging them in their walk. He closes this section of the letter with this glorious reminder, this exaltation of praise to God. To, to remind them that God is able. And this morning, as we look forward to next week and Promise Sunday, I think it's good for us to be reminded that God is able. As we consider the enormous task before us and, and the amount of, uh, of funds that will need to be raised in, in the future days, it's encouraging to know that God is able, isn't it? In the midst of political uncertainty and economic uncertainty, concerns and fears that many may have, isn't it good to know that God is able? In the midst of your life and the difficulties that you're facing, the uncertainties that, that you're facing, the trials that you're dealing with, aren't you glad to know this morning that God is able. We have a God who is able. And we're going to find three things in this text that will encourage us today. And the first one, of course, I'm just taking straight from the title, is that God is able. God is able. I want you to see it with me here. Again, in verse number 20. Now, unto him that is able... God has the ability to do what needs to be done. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask 
or think. I want you to know this morning that God's power is limitless. It's infinite. God's power is limitless, and it is infinite. And as you and I deal with the difficulties and the trials and the impossibilities of our lives, we need to be reminded that God's power is infinite. Now, we note some things in the Scripture that help us because often uh, we fail to consider God's ability. I want you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter uh, 13. The book of Numbers, we come to the 13th chapter. And the children of Israel have been in the wilderness, and they've come to the brink of Canaan, and they have sent a group of spies over to go into the land. They are now at the point where they are ready to go in after God has delivered them from Egyptian bondage. They are now ready to go in. It would seem, it would appear that they were ready to go into the land of Canaan and possess their possessions. In Numbers 13 and verse 26, the Word of God tells us, and they went, speaking of those spies, those 12 men that went for the survey the land. They went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. So they brought back the fruit. They, they surveyed the land, and it was everything that God said it would be. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people, that's the inhabitants of the land, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. The spies came back, and they said, this land is a good land. It's just as God said it would be. But nevertheless, (laughs) there's too many obstacles. There are too many of the enemies there, and they are strong, and they have walled cities. Look at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But Caleb said, listen, I want you to know uh, that we don't need to talk about the problems and the difficulties and the obstacles. We don't need to be uh, fretful and fearful because of the impossibilities, but we need to go forward because we are able. What was Caleb counting on? Not his own ability, not the ability of the people. Caleb was counting on the ability of God. Verse 31 But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And that was a true statement. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land 
through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. We'll never survive it, they said. And all the people that we saw in it are the men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our sight as as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. They said, listen, this land will eat us up. We'll never make it. And those guys are giants, and we're just like a bunch of little grasshoppers. They'll just step on us. We have have no way of entering into the land. Chapter 14 and verse number 1, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? By the way, that generation, everyone 20 years of age and above, they did die in the wilderness. And they died because of their unbelief. They died because they failed to consider God's ability. I want to encourage you this morning, let's remember God's ability. And secondly, we find not only are, those, are there those who uh, fail to consider God's ability, but there are those who question God's ability. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm 78. In Psalm 78 and verse number 12, this is a a psalm that details for us God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel in bringing them out of the land of Egypt and bringing them through the wilderness. And while it details the faithfulness of God in doing so, it also speaks of the unfaithfulness of the people of God. In Psalm 78, in verse number 12, the word of God says, Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. What did God do? Well, he performed uh, the the, the plagues upon Egypt. He he, he, uh, pronounced these plagues upon the Egyptian people and that great nation, that proud nation, that mighty nation, that wealthiest of all the nations of the earth, God humbled because they refused to honor God. They refused to allow God's people go and worship him. And so God did great things in the sight of the men and the women of the nation of Israel. And he delivered them. In verse number 13, he divided the sea. He parted the waters of the Red Sea. And he caused them to pass through. And he made the waters to stand as a heap. Verse 14, in the daytime also, he led them with a cloud and all night with a light of fire. He cleaved the rocks into the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. The more God did for them, the more they sinned against him. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like us. And the more God did for them, the more they doubted. Notice in verse 18, and they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spoke against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God feed us in the wilderness? After all that they had witnessed God doing, 
humbling the nation of Egypt, delivering them, bringing them through the Red Sea, uh, sustaining them, leading them by his presence, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, uh, all the things that God did for them, uh, sending water to them in the midst of the desert, a stream that is following them. Imagine seeing that happen. And then they said, can God furnish a table for us? The Bible says they, they, they ask for meat for their lust. They said, we don't like this, this manna. We want meat. They spoke against him. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Verse 20, behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Well, I have an answer for them in and, and God had an answer for them. God can. God can and God did. And I want to tell you this morning that God can. Uh, God can do what God desires to do. And God will lead us and he will deliver to us the promises. He will fulfill to us the promises. He will give to us the provisions. God is able. And so we find there are those who fail to consider God's ability. Then there are those who question God's ability. And then we saw last week one who denied God's ability. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we read it last week. In verse 1, then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, one of the king's advisors, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt eat it, or thou shalt see it rather with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. We saw last week what happened to that servant. He said, If God were to open the windows of heaven, this couldn't happen. But it did happen, didn't it? And that servant, he didn't get to enjoy the bounty that God supplied. No, he was trampled to death when he opened the gates of the city. He denied God's ability. I want you to know this morning, God is able. And we do not need to fail to consider God's ability as we move forward. We do not need to question God's ability, and we certainly do not need to deny God's ability. Well, there are those who teach us in the word of God to trust in God's ability. One of those is Abraham in Hebrews chapter number 11. In Hebrews chapter 11 in verses 8 through 10, Abraham teaches us that God is able to lead us through the unknown. God said, Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to a land that I will show you. And what did Abraham do? He went out not knowing, the Bible says, whether he went. He trusted God to lead him through the unknown. You know, we like to have all the answers, don't we? We like to have all the answers before we take the first step. But that's not the journey of faith. God says, trust me. We say, Lord, where are we going? God says it doesn't matter. Well, Lord, tell me. I mean, I need to know if this thing's going to be all right. And then God says, look at me. Are you with me? And the answer should be, yes, Lord, I'm with you. Then everything's all right. And as long as we're following Jesus, I want you to know everything's going to be just fine. Amen. You say, well, pastor, what if this happens or what if that happens? Well, those things could happen, but God is with us. Yes. 
And God will not fail us. You see, we learn that God is able to lead us through the unknown. Then in verses 11 through 16 of Hebrews chapter 11, we find that God is able to do the impossible. God said to Abraham and Sarah, uh, you're going to have a child. Abraham was 75, Sarah was 65. They finally had a child. Not when he was 76 and she was 66, but when he was 100 and she was 90. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. Absolutely it is, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And the Bible said that Sarah received strength and she judged him faithful who had promised and therefore out of a dead womb sprang life. Abraham teaches us that God can bring life from death. Abraham teaches us this wonderful lesson in verses 17 through 19. You know what God told Abraham to do with his son. That promised son, Isaac, that, that son that God said, I'm, I'm going to use this boy. This is, the, this is the boy that I promised to you. Now he's there. He's growing up. And God says to Abraham, take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him. <laughs> and Abraham went up to the mountain, ready to sacrifice his son. He built the altar, laid the wood on the altar. He laid Isaac on the altar, and God stopped him just as he was about to sacrifice him. What was going on at that moment in Abraham's mind? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and verse 19 that Abraham was accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. You see, when it looked like God's plan had failed, when it looked like the promised son was about to die and the promises were evaporating, Abraham trusted God and God's ability to raise up that boy from the dead. I want you to know, you may be here this morning and you've given up. You've given up on the promises of God. You've given up on what you think God can do in your family and in your life. But I want you to know that God can raise those things back from the dead Amen. and bring his promises to pass. I want to tell you this morning, God is able. So let's not fail to consider his ability. Let's not question his ability. Let's not deny his ability, but let's trust in his ability. Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You say, well, I'm going through a hard time. Well, I've got some good news for you. Jesus is our faithful high priest. Amen. And the Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, he is able to succor. That word succor means help. He is able to succor them that are tempted. You say, man, I'm going through it. I'm having a lot of difficulties. I'm dealing with a lot of trials. I want to tell you God is able. He's able to help you. He's able to deliver you. The Bible says in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Quit running to everybody else in this world and start running to Jesus. And the Bible said he is able to deliver you. You say, Pastor, I feel like I can't take it any longer. 
I can't take one more step. I'm about to collapse. I'm going to fall. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Well, Jude has some good news for you. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Oh, listen, God is able. Well, let me tell you a second thing. God is abundant. God is able and God is abundant. God doesn't just simply do enough to get us by. He's abundant. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I want you to know his power is infinite and his provision is inexhaustible. The psalmist testified, and he said in Psalm 34 and verse 9, O fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing I need that God doesn't give me. Psalm 36 and verse number 8, they shall be abundantly satisfied. That's what God does. He completes us. He fulfills us, and he does so abundantly. There were times when the psalmist had to remember the abundance of God in the past. He says in Psalm uh, 116 and verse 16, the Lord preserveth the simple. Then he said this, I was brought low, and he helped me. Have you been there? Maybe you're there now. He said, I was brought low and he helped me. Verse 7, return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. In the midst of the low time, the psalmist reflected to the past and said, God's been good to me. He's been abundant to me. And not only did he remember the abundance of God in the past, but he trusted in the abundance of God for the future. In Psalm 142 and verse 6, he says, Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall come past me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. That's our God. Jesus testified of his own abundance. He says in Matthew 13 and verse 12, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. In John 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. Paul reminded the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in verse number 8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You say, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I don't know how I'm going to trust God to provide for, for a commitment, or I don't know how to trust God and, and give uh, a first fruits offering, or I don't know how I'm going to make it with my children or my marriage or my home or my job. I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this trial and this circumstance. I don't know what God is going to do, but I can tell you this. God is able Amen. to make all grace abound towards you to give you the grace you need. What did the Lord say to Paul? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In the midst of your trial, what did Paul want? He wanted that thing gone. He prayed, Lord, remove this thorn in my flesh. But God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
I don't know what your need is this morning, but God knows your need. The Bible says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, the Lord said, your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of. God knows your needs. He's able to meet your needs, and he has promised to supply your needs according to his riches in glory. And James reminded the believers to ask an abundant God to meet their needs. Have you asked God to meet your needs lately? You know, we're really good at determining what our needs are. We've got a list. And then here's what we do. We develop a plan of action of how we can fulfill those needs. But the Bible reminds us that we're to ask our Father concerning those needs. James chapter 1 and verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, boy, we need wisdom, don't we? Wisdom as, as dads, wisdom as husbands, wisdom as moms and wives. We need wisdom as young people and as children. We need wisdom from God. Where are we going to get it? Only from him. And if we ask him, what will he do? He giveth to all men liberally. He doesn't just give you a little bit. He'll give you plenty more than what you need. If you'll simply go to him and ask him. What did James say in James 4 and verse 2? Ye have not. Can you help me fill it out? Because ye ask not. So ask him. It's available. It's abundant. It's for us. And so we see that God is able. And then we see that God is abundant. And then finally we see that God is above. He's above. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You see, uh, we've learned that God's power is infinite and his provision is inexhaustible, but now we see that his providence is incomprehensible to us. We can't even reason with it. We can't understand. We can't begin to understand what God is doing. But what we do know is that God is working according to his power in our lives. And so we see that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. We bring our problems to God with a prescription that we filled out. Have you been to the doctor and told the doctor what's wrong with you? Doctor, I already know. I've, in fact, I've written the prescription. Will you sign it and I'll just leave? That's how we come to God. We come to God and we say, here's the problem. Now, Lord, here's how to fix it. Would you sign the prescription? I'll take it to the pharmacy and get it filled. That's the way we treat God. But you, what God is teaching us in this passage is that we don't even know what the problem is, and we certainly don't know what the solutions are. And though we come to God with a petition and a request and a, and a need, and we say, Lord, we want, you, we want you to be able to fix this problem. We don't even know what the problem is, let alone how to fix it. And God is teaching us that. I want you to look one, one passage and we'll be done. Isaiah chapter 55. Would you turn there with me? Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8. 
Through his prophet Isaiah, God is speaking to his people. And he says, my thoughts, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This may be surprising to you, but God doesn't think the way you think. Neither are your ways my ways. This, this may be surprising to you, but God doesn't work the way you work. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, I think we need to remember a few things. We need to remember that God's view is greater than our view. Where is God? He's in the heavens. The heavens are higher, right? Not only in geographical location, but in our ability to comprehend and perceive and to understand and to know. God is higher than us, and God's view is greater than our view. He sees things that we don't see. He sees all of time at one time. We see time as it unfolds. But God sees what's coming. God's view is greater than our view. We need to remember that. We need to remember, secondly, that God's wisdom is greater than our wisdom. We look at a problem and we think about, well, here's the simple, easy way to solve that problem. But God's wisdom is greater than ours. We need to understand this, that God's purpose is greater than our purpose. Our purpose is to get out of trouble. Our purpose is to, to get back to normal. But God is working through these trials and afflictions and difficulties and challenges and obstacles in our life. God is working through those needs to conform us to the image of his son, to bring souls into the kingdom, to further his church and to bring glory to his name. Unto him, verse 21, be glory in the church. God's purposes are established and they will come to pass. Something else I need to remember, God's calendar is more timely than mine. You see, we have a number of folks in our church who are going through trials, some through physical trials and, and some through personal trials and struggles. And, and someone told me recently, Pastor, the hardest part about this situation is not knowing when it's going to end. And we can relate to that, right? When is this going to be over? That's what we want to know. God, when are you going to work? The psalmist said, how long, Lord? How long, are you, uh, how long is it going to take before you do something about this situation? How long will you forget me? How long will you allow the, the wicked to, to prevail over me? But we need to understand that God's calendar is more timely than ours. God knows when to work and how to work. And God is always on time. So we can trust him. Why? Because he's above. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We need to remember this. God's solutions are greater than our solutions. Well, I'll tell you what we need to do over there. We need to do this. Is that right? 
Did God tell us that? You see, that's what we as a church have to come to. What does the Lord want us to do? Well, I tell you how to straighten out that marriage relationship you have. Is that right? I'll tell you what to do, get those kids where they need to be. Is that right? Really? You know that? No, he knows that. And I'm glad this morning we have a God who's able. So as a result of that, I can do some things. I can trust in his power. I can trust him. That he knows exactly what's needed and he will give exactly what's needed and he will do exactly what he's promised. I can trust in his provision. I know that God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. If I make a first fruits offering or if I make a commitment, I know God is able and I can trust him. As a church, as we go forward, we're going to have to trust in the provision of God. You see, don't make the mistake of failing to consider God. Don't make the mistake of questioning if God's able. And don't make the mistake of denying his ability. You see, God is able, so I'm to trust in his power. God is abundant, so I'm to trust in his provision. And God is above. That means I trust in his providence. He knows what he's doing, and he will perform that which I've committed unto him. And so Paul closes this third chapter. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. How does he get that glory? When we trust in his power and his provision and his providence. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.